0: I'm an American!
1: Listening to the Loving Liberty Network, this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of the defense. We are the defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. And we are so happy to have you join us today. I am your host, Elaine England, and we have several Liberty Moms with us today. I'm so thrilled. One of them is Ten Hartman, and the other one is Brookell.
0: Is it driven or divin? We thought
1: we did. We did not. I'm not sure, Brakel. I'm not sure about your last name. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sure. How oh, to you're know. good. I'm. I'm married now, so it's actually Power. So Briquel Powers. Yes. That's okay. So <laughs> Brakel Powers, and I just barely met Brakel not too long ago, and she is an amazing Liberty woman. I'm so happy to meet her. Before we, before we bring Brakel and Tenna on, and Gregory Oaks, a Liberty dad. We are going to just talk really briefly about a bill that is really impacts the entire nation, and it, I, would, I would actually say the entire world. And it is a bill, we call it HB 11 in Utah, Girls Sports Bill. A lot of people call it a transgender bill. I would disagree. It is a bill that says biological girls play on girls' sports. It seems pretty simple to me. Only biological girls play on girls' sports. So this bill was to just basically say in order to compete you must be a biological girl on girl sports and we have in Utah we do have co-ed sports and we do have boys sports. So any biological male who is transitioning or self-identifies as a woman can always play on the boys sports and they can always play in the co-ed sports. So there are places for them to play but it, the important thing is that If you have biological boys who self-identify as girls, if you have them play on girls' sports, you really literally do two things. One, you eliminate girls' sports. There are no longer girls that will be the competitors and the winners because we know there is a biological and physical difference between girls and boys, men and women. And so that is why girls have their very own sports. The other thing is women because we are different we have different needs and we do demand or desire we really do need privacy so what without this bill what is happening right now not just in utah but across the nation where states haven't protected put this protection into law you have biological boys who even for one day or many days are self-identifying as men or excuse me, as girls or women, and they are using the girls' bathrooms and they are showering with the girls, it also makes it legal if we allow that to happen, then it would be all right for these biological boys to also participate in, when there's an overnight, there's um, an overnight meet, and so then they have hotel rooms, and so then you would have biological boys in the same room with biological girls. Now, this would be illegal in every other context. There is no place that it's legal for biological boys to use women's bathrooms to shower with them or to stay in the same hotel room with them as minors. That is against the law. And so, but but suddenly when it comes to sports, we want to just tip the laws all upside down. And I do want to say that I, I cannot even imagine how difficult and the trauma and the Emotional devastation—it must be for young people who are suffering from gender dysphoria to deal with that. But and and we care about them, and we want them to get healed, and we want them to get help. But playing on girls' sports and validating girls will not help biological boys suffering from gender dysphoria. It won't help them to heal. It won't serve them. And so, really, what we're doing is really damaging them further. That is just how we do more damage to them, which I don't think is a good idea. Um, The other thing, I don't know if people saw Leah Thompson when she competed just this week um, or last week, and so she won first place, or he won first place, I should say, but um, Leah won first place over the biological girls. And it was really eye-opening, I think, and very telling when Leah did not receive great applause she didn't he did not receive the kind of applause that first place would receive hardly anything but when the biological girl won who got second place but really won first place she got massive amounts of applause as well as the second place and literally the third place girls and so I think that we can kind of this is just the beginning and I could think we can really see how this is going to de- do further damage to someone already suffering. So what we think we're doing in Compassion, we're actually really being brutal. It's actually not a nice thing to do to people who are already in despair and suffering. We need to really help them address the situation, certainly provide other sports opportunities because sports can be very healing and very a very positive outlet for people that are in distress and that are suffering. So I do love the idea that we provide sports for them and and i do think the coed sports is an excellent place for for biological boys that self-identify as girls and also boy sports is a great place as well so and i just wanted to let you know we did have that law that protected biological girls only and biological girls sports it passed the house on the last night of our session in utah then the the, it's been on the governor's desk the last few days and he yesterday did veto that bill and so we just had a house vote and the house in the the house voted 56 that is veto proof so they needed 51 but they got 56 so that is veto proof for an override and the senate just passed it 18 and we need 15 to pass it in the senate so that has been successful this bill did we did have a override of the governor's veto so that bill is now in place in the state of utah and women in sports will be protected and i know it isn't actually a perfect bill it isn't the perfect bill that i would have written or wanted i would love to see them do a full-on straight up ban which it is not it says that if if the supreme court at some point ever should override this ban then it would go to this commission that's been created. But I don't see the commission ever being put into practice. I don't see any reason or way. I think it would just bring in so many lawsuits. I, no one likes it. The, the The liberals don't like it. The transgender people don't like it. The conservatives don't like it. The constitutionalists don't like it. So I don't think it would ever stand. So that's the caveat, too, that it doesn't really matter because it won't stand. So anyway, I hope that that helps to inform you about how important this is, we have ten other states that have passed this bill, and in order to stand up and not allow the Supreme Court to overrule this or override it, um, it is important that states stand together, and that's why this is especially important in Utah that we stand with other states and stand together as a nation for the laws of nature and nature's God, we stand for all children, literally what is in the best interest of every child and especially that women have spent 50 60 years creating girls' sports and we've done we made a lot of inroads and we need to be sure and preserve and protect that for the thousands and thousands of girls that compete in sports okay we're going to shift gears a little bit because utah again has a really amazing and unique system where we elect our representatives or who is, going to, uh, who is going to be on the ballot to represent us, to be uh, contenders or the candidates. And it is really just a microcosm of the r- amazing republic that we have in the United States. So what we do is we call it the caucus convention system. And so we have everyone is invited to go to everyone's political party on a given night. Of the year, and everyone is invited to go to their political party, meet together with everyone from their precinct or their neighborhood, large neighborhood. And we go there and then we elect many legislators. We call them delegates. And so we elect these delegates to represent us in the neighborhoods and go and do the hard work of vetting the candidates, everyone that wants to run, and vet them and choose who we think as delegates. Would be the best candidates to represent us who's aligned with the platform who's aligned with the Constitution who we feel would actually really do a really good job and so I have got some delegates lined up here these delegates go vet the candidates and do that work and then we have a convention at a convention that is where the delegates that represent the people will go and after vetting the candidates will vote for who they want to be on the ticket and who they want to represent that Republican Party or the Democratic Party on their ballots. And so, first of all, we have Um, And Brookelle, I already forgot your real last name. Power. Um, Power. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I don't have anything. I'm not able to have anything in writing because I'm at the Capitol right now. So I don't have anything to write anything down with. So I'm relying on my little brain today, which is very dangerous. <laughs> so anyway, the important thing is it's Burkel, and she is just this amazing young woman, and I'm so excited to have young people being elected as delegates and getting involved and getting engaged. It really is super awesome. So Burkell, first of all, I wanted to ask you, I'd like to start our conversation by
2: asking you and you telling us why you decided to run to be a delegate. I actually have a unique background and I used to run political campaigns four years ago, but never in my own community. Um, And so I had the unique opportunity to do that. And now going into four years later, I am not running any campaigns. And so I was like, this is my chance. This is my chance to serve my community my own community and go and run as delegate. And so um, I decided to do so. And my precinct was super awesome. I They, you know, gave me the opportunity to represent them. And I it's been a very unique, very cool slash interesting experience. <laughs> okay, great. So I think that is so great. I'm
1: really pleased that you decided to run and it's exciting that you got elected. So you're a Republican delegate. So tell me, do you feel like what do you think of the Republican platform? How much do you align with the Republican platform?
2: I think the Republican platform is amazing. I think if we can follow the Constitution as well, then then we're in a good spot. I think as Republicans, that's our job is to uphold that. And I think the platform is a good way to guide us to that. Um, however, I think it's just, there's a little saying that said about, um, sometimes churches where it's like, okay, the gospel of this church is true, but the, the people aren't right. And I think that that goes for the party as well is maybe that platform is true, but the people aren't. And I think that that's, um, you know, that's the huge problem facing the Republican party as well as the democratic party is that we've got these platforms um, but we've kind of strayed away from our platform and I, I would love for us as a, especially as the state of Utah to get back onto that and elect leaders that represent and uphold the Constitution and the platform. Brooke, tell me how you
1: feel about the Republican platform
2: I I like the Republican platform. I think that it's important to make sure our candidates align with the Republican platform, but also um, that they will uphold the Constitution. I think that those um, kind of go together in my mind. I I think um, as far as the Republican Party goes, I think there's like a saying for most churches where the gospel is true, but the people... Aren't. Um, And I think we can say that for the Republican Party as well, where Uh the platform is true and the people aren't. And we just need to be careful to, you know, keep our party going, make some changes to include some um, younger people, because young people are the future. Make sure we keep that platform, um, but do our best to honor that and the Constitution. Okay, great. So, as you what's your experience like as you're going
1: out as a delegate and you're vetting candidates, what has that been like for you?
2: Um, it's been really interesting. I have a I know most of the candidates, at least in my area personally, um, just through different work that I've done. And it's been interesting to see how they're running and different things that they're trying to combat as as far as incumbents go. And then as new people that come in. Um, how they are desperately trying to uphold the Constitution and fight um, this battle of, I think at least Davis County has a little bit of a complacency or a, you know, just not really getting things done. We don't, we don't have leadership right now that's taking us to where we need to go. Wow, Brooke,
1: I am so impressed by your amazing wisdom for such a young person <laughs> that you have been involved. And I think that that does help that okay so have you found that a lot of the candidates have been aligned with the constitution and the republican platform or have you found that they kind of have their own ideas and they're not necessarily aligned what would be your
2: experience so i i think that the problem does not necessarily lie with the candidates because all the candidates will at least say that they're conservative um, and that they will uphold the constitution however what i think is hard and and kind of the hard thing about caucus, while I would never have it any other way, is that the delegates really need to understand their responsibility um, to where we are going to these candidates and they're going to tell us something pretty. They're not going to tell us what we really want to know. We have to do the work and find that out. We have to listen to other delegates. And I think. Davis County has been really interesting. I've had a lot of experience in other counties, but as far as the delegates that we have in Davis County, we kind of have three different kinds. We've got people who are like, if you're not conservative, I'm not going to vote for you. And I think that's kind of where I lie. Um, Then we have the middle people who are like, you know, I'm kind of going to get swayed either way. I, you know, haven't done all my research and whoever gives a good speech, that's who I'm going to vote for. And then we have on the other side, Um, not, and this is like kind of a derogatory term, but, but, uh, rhinos or, um, Republicans who are for Romney or, you know, kind of that specific, um, type, which is fine to keep an open mind. However, I think when we get, away from the constitution or the party platform, that's where things become dangerous and lines get skewed. Um, And so we've got those people where it's like, you know, they're just really kind. They say really pretty things. And I think as a politician, they all kind of do that. So I think it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in what these candidates say. And I think that, um, it's our response. It's not the candidate's responsibility necessarily while they should be doing everything to stay true to themselves, stay true to the constitution, and the party platform, but it's the delegate's responsibility, um, ultimately to make sure that we are voting in people who align with our, our, uh, ideals. Brooke, you have
1: been amazing. I really appreciate it. What an excellent delegate you are. You set a great example for everyone. Thank you so very much for joining us today, and thank you for your work. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thanks
2: thank for you. having me.
1: Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, we're now going to talk to Liberty Mom, Tenna Hartman. She is a great Liberty Mom. She does so much to further the cause of liberty. Tenna, thank you so much for being with us.
0: Hey, thank you for having me.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Now, Tenna, you are a delegate now, right now, but I, I'm i pretty sure this is not your first time. Do you remember how many times you've been a delegate? <laughs>
0: Well, I've probably been a delegate for at least the last four or five election cycles. So we elect our delegates every two years. So that kind of tells you.
1: Yeah, you've been in you've been in the front lines a little bit of while, and you're definitely on the front lines of standing for liberty in so many ways. So why did you decide to run and be a delegate again?
0: Well, because we are a Republican government, and because of that, um, we're trying to elect people who represent us and our values. I think it's really important to become a delegate. And even though it's a lot of work, it's a lot of fun. And I get to go and try and learn and discern about the candidates and what their values and principles are. And You know, do they align with the Republican platform? Because as Brooke said, there are two or three different types of people that participate in the party. But my job is to try to find candidates that align with the platform and with the Constitution.
1: And have you been able to do that? Have you found candidates that you feel are aligned with the platform?
0: So I think that... There's not any one single candidate that's perfect. One of the problems that I see with some of the conservatives is we want the 100% perfect candidate. Like we want the George Washington. And so, you know, we're not going to have that. So my job is to find the candidate that most closely aligns with the platform. And yes, I do think that we have this year especially lots and lots of candidates that align closer with the platform. That's the beautiful thing about this process. Um, But we're not going to find that one single perfect candidate. And so my other job, I believe, is to vet candidates that are going to represent us, but also that can go to the the legislature and build alliances and be um, willing to work with other legislators and to, I mean, I would love to have a conservative coalition And so we need people that can work together as well as maintain their principles. That makes it a little bit more difficult.
1: You know, that is, those are some wise words. That's some great wisdom from you because it's one thing to be totally aligned with a platform, but if you are so just regimented and you can't work with other people and you're, you know, just like set on everybody has to do it my way or we're not going to do anything at all, then, and, then nothing really works. We don't really make any progress because as you and I know, legislation is never perfect. I've never found a bill that was perfect, but we were always asking, does this get us closer to where we want to be? Like you have to look at where are we right now? And we've already lost a lot of liberties. So does this bring us closer to restoring our liberties or is it bring us farther away? And so we have to always calculate, is it better? So that, that is really, those are some great words. Um, So let me ask you this, who do you think does a better job electing our candidates to be on our party and represent our party, be on the ballot and represent our party? Do you think that the delegates do a better job, or do you think it's better just left open to just the regular, everyday public?
0: Well, definitely I think that the delegates do a better job, because in the last two weeks, um, you know, I've been to a lot of meetings and asked a lot of questions. And you get to listen and look at that person, and it's not just a soundbite or a piece of paper or a postcard that comes out. You know, it's really disheartening when you hear that people um, want, you know, for example, if we have a candidate that gets a signature, then they kind of don't care what their answers are because they're on the ballot or the primary no matter what. And so what difference does that make, you know? But... So I think they're definitely the delegates. And the job of the people in the precinct is to go and to elect a delegate that has the Republican values. You're there to get somebody who has those values, you know.
1: Ten, excellent. So I want to, I really appreciate what you said. I'd like to make sure the listeners understand. We used to always go to this caucus convention system and always elected our candidates at the convention. If they got 60% of the vote, Then they were the the representative from the Republican Party, for instance. If they got less than that, then the top two people would have a primary. And so, if one person could get sixty percent, then we felt like they really represent the values and the people in the party. So they would just and that and they would just have it. And that was wonderful because if you could avoid a primary, you're not spending your money fighting within with each other, and you're not spending your money um, on a big primary where you can put those resources towards getting another candidate, or running against, in the general election, against your opponent. So it really is in the best interest of the delegates. It's in the best interest of the the people of the party, and definitely the best interest of the candidates. So that, unfortunately, several years ago, the legislature, due to a threat by a certain organization, they passed a law saying that someone can just go ahead and buy their way onto the ballot. Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. We're so happy to have you join us. And I am your host today, Delaine England. And we have a great guest today. His name is Gregory Oaks. And Gregory has been um is and has been a delegate. And it is such an amazing process, we're so excited to be able to kind of share with you this great process of the delegate caucus system that Utah has. Welcome, Gregory. We're so happy to have you with us.
3: Hi. I'm grateful to be here. It's, it's a lot of fun.
1: So, Gregory, you decided to run and be a delegate. So tell us why you decided to do that.
3: Well... That's actually kind of funny because I I went to the caucus meeting and I wasn't planning on running as a delegate, but my neighbors decided that I was going, and uh, so I consented more than I was running for anything.
1: Okay, so they nominated you and they begged you to run, and so they ended up voting for you and you became a delegate and were willing to participate. Have you been a delegate before?
3: I haven't. This was my first time.
1: Oh, so you really did not know what you were getting into.
3: No, I didn't.
1: Okay, super. And so have you, before that time, or I guess at that time, did you read the Republican platform to become familiar with the platform?
3: Oh, I've, I've read it before, and it was actually something that was read in the caucus meeting. So, yes, I, I'm familiar with it.
1: Okay, so how do you feel about the Republican platform?
3: Well, I think I think it's a lot of nice things Say um, a lot of a lot of good things. Um, unfortunately, I I wonder how much relevance it has after somebody gets into office. It's uh, <laughs> you know organizations have a life of their own and they have their own survival instincts and so it becomes uh, you know a matter of political survival what a candidate often does after they get elected. You know, rather than really, I think, uh, I don't know how much it's on the minds of most people once they're in office.
1: That is such a great point. I don't know if you're aware, and I want our listeners to be aware that when you, once you are elected, you actually, or to even run, you sign a statement that you will align with the platform. And if you have any issues with the platform, you, before you can even run, you say, this is. This is the part of the platform I don't agree with. So that before people elect this person, they have the knowledge that, yeah, I'm, I'm aligned to the platform in most places, but these are the places where I don't agree with the platform. So people can elect based on that knowledge. And um, and then they agree to not only align themselves with the platform when in office, but they also take a sacred oath to God and to the people that they are that they have been elected by to uphold the federal constitution our national constitution and also our state constitutions so they they are under oath they're under commitment to stay with that and so what you're saying is sometimes they don't align themselves with the platform but they manage to stay in office or even get reelected even though they're not aligned with the platform is that kind of what you're saying
3: uh, yeah, it, it seems to me that, especially nowadays, um, people view, well, can I legally get away with it? Ethics and that sort of thing are uh, less important to people today, and, and I think that we often see candidates, especially here in Utah, uh, that are in office, uh, and that they don't align with the platform. They just don't. And maybe they see themselves as it, but... I don't. I think there's a lot of us who question that. So,
1: you know that I think there are quite a number of candidate of elected officials that run on the Republican ticket that are not aligned with the platform. That is absolutely true, without a question. Because if you look at the platform and look at their voting record, they do not line up. So, as a delegate, did you find that that was irrelevant? Did you care? Did you ask if they were aligned with the platform when you were vetting the the candidates?
3: Yeah, and and of course they um, all are incentivized to be elected, and so they will tell you the parts of the platform that they can align with. Um, And and it really helps with incumbents to have a voting record to see if you agree with their alignment or not. Uh, But I don't know that it always happens.
1: But did you find that that was was that for you as a delegate? did you find that was an issue for you? Did you ask that question? Did you try to find out if they were aligned with that oh yes it,
3: definitely it's uh it's uh it's an issue for for me because i I, um, I i'm a person who believes that uh you should be representing what you actually believe rather than something other just well I know there's a candidate here in Utah that is running specifically to unseat the conservative candidate and she's running as a, a Republican but I know because I went to high school with her uh, and her family um, that she isn't she's, she's very left she's left of the left and she's running as a Republican
2: and
1: yeah she's not aligned with the Republican platform I can't see anyway because you're talking about someone that has a 10 year voting record in the house <laughs> Am I am I correct? Am I guessing who you're talking about?
3: <laughs> uh, probably.
1: <laughs> no, so there is a voting record. So we do have a history and a voting record, and yet this person is running on the Republican platform. And yet their voting record would would verify unquestionably that this person is not aligned with the Republican platform.
3: Right, but the the pro- their problem is is you know Republicans take it in Utah, so well they've decided they'll join the Republican Party and and, uh, you know, take their agenda from there.
1: Absolutely. So I would love to hear what your experience was. Now, you've gone to convention, you've experienced it. What was your experience like as a delegate vetting the candidates? And then what What was your experience at the actual convention?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting to me because I, I feel like we have a shortage of candidates. My impression was, that we really, um, in many cases, have sort of the lesser of two evils to decide from. Um, and, and it's not, and that's maybe an unkind way of putting it, but a lot of times you're choosing between somebody who's qualified and somebody who is um, conservative. Oh, you know, you've, you're getting, um, you know, lack of experience or, you know, uh, is the person is somebody who's not as experienced is going to try to unseat somebody who who is there and maybe doesn't have a as good of a voting record but does have the experience and and that that 's problematic. I saw a real need for having more people step up who and and i would be I would be willing to vote for somebody who is highly intelligent and could be able to you know take over certain tasks. Um, But, you know, there's this sort of choice that is like, oh, wow, we we really do need more people running. (laughs) That's really
1: interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're saying that sometimes we have to choose between someone who's principled and aligned to the platform and someone who has experience or knowledge. Yes. Now, are you speaking of in the legislative context as a legislator, or are you speaking more in county offices?
3: I'm talking more about the county offices or the the other local offices and because I think when people are running for the legislature a lot of times um they won't have a shot or a prayer if they don't have, you know, business experience or something that uh where they're interacting with people or, you know, could be a legislator.
2: Yeah, I feel like the the
1: beauty of the legislative process in the state of utah it's a 45 day session we do not have full time legislators and it is not a career it is more it's more almost voluntary it is a public service and the reason that we have regular people with regular jobs that aren't really particularly politicians or experienced is because then they do they do have more in touch capacity with the people because they do either have a business or they work for somebody. They're real regular people that have to live under the consequences of their laws and the rulings that they come down with. And so that part-time legislature, in my opinion, is really important. And one of the reasons why Utah is such a fairly quite successful state, fiscally and mostly in freedom, not so much in freedom as it used to be, but um, we do have a pretty successful state. But I think a lot of that is because our legislators are regular people who do have jobs or businesses. A lot of them have businesses.
3: I agree with you. It's better that way. The one thing you have to look at is ideology and why somebody's running. Sometimes in Utah, somebody really benefits from their business benefits from being in the legislature and being able to make laws that will benefit their business.
1: Oh, that's um, so true, Greg. That is such a good point. They are actually lobbyists. They act like they're business owners or employees, but they're actually lobbyists for their either their own business or the business they work for or for an entity of businesses.
0: Very right, good point.
3: Right. And so you have to watch out for that. But um, yeah, there are a lot of principled people that, you know, are running, and, and you can kind of tell, you know. How badly do they really want it, <laughs> and why?
1: <laughs> yeah, when they spend seventy-five thousand dollars or a million dollars to win a house seat, that doesn't really pay anything. I mean, it, there's thirteen thousand dollars of compensation, and how would how could you justify spending seventy-five thousand dollars to get that seat if right. it was power?
3: Yeah, and so the, it's important to it, I. It's really important to vet people because, you know, we have problems with, you know, that sort of thing, but uh, it's way better than having full-time legislators, I would say.
1: Yes, it still is better because we do get some really great people, but of course, no system keeps out the bad 100%. There just isn't a way that freedom allows for those kinds of things to happen. So, so what was your so? How was it for you? Did you go around and meet all of the different candidates running? What was your experience like as a delegate?
3: Well, yeah, I tried. I tried to get out and meet as as many as I could, and um, some of those, uh, like co- what I would call a cottage meeting, you know, or uh, meet and greets, meet and greets, yeah, whatever, uh, would were good because you could pose questions, and it was also interesting to listen to other delegates because. I realized that there were a lot of delegates that did not align with the platform, right? And uh, so, so that's interesting, too. From a caucus level, you, you really maybe should vet your delegate a little bit better. Um, <laughs> oh, I know this neighbor. Well, do you know really what your neighbor thinks about mandates, you know?
1: <laughs> exactly. This is a really big problem. I find it, I find it really is the number one problem because it is the grassroots it's the ground level because if you have delegates that are aligned with the platform they're more inclined to vote for candidates aligned with the platform and that is the best way to make sure we have real real officials or elected representatives that are aligned with their platform but that that I found Greg I found that exact experience so many far too many of the delegates they're either new or they ran because they are not conservative or they're not aligned to the platform. And they ran for that reason, because they want to change the party from within.
0: Yes, not and to in fact it.
3: the the Democratic Party in Utah has been trying to get people to switch parties to change the Republican Party from within. It's been a strategy.
1: It is a strategy. And the candidate that you talked about before openly, very openly went to Democrats and asked them to go and file as a Republican, to register as a Republican and go run to be delegates so that they could vote for her in the state. Yeah. So I think that that is a really, really big problem that we have in our state is people don't understand the caucus system. They don't understand the power of it and really what, what it's designed to do. And they don't, they don't even understand. But of course, if you have a lot of Democrats running on the Republican ticket, and you have them running to be delegates, that is going to be a, a takeover from within. That is going to damage our party.
3: Yeah, and that, absolutely. And, and the other thing I noticed was that even there, you know, there is within any again any organization is trying to survive, and and the people who are incumbents are trying to survive as and and so. Even within the party, there's some things, maneuverings that can be made to try to keep even liberal candidates within the party if they are on House seats or whatever. So if, if you're a citizen and you would like to maintain and retain your freedom, um, it's a good idea to get involved.
1: That's such good advice. Yes, it's a good idea to get involved. And you don't even have to do a lot. Just get involved. At yeah. least show up to your caucus meeting. Make sure that the people running, make sure that you do elect people that are aligned with freedom, aligned with the platform, because the platform is about freedom and self governance. So yeah, that's really good advice. Okay, so what was your experience at the convention? You went to the convention, and how did you feel about the how the convention itself went?
3: Well, I, I felt like the convention was good in a lot of ways, um, although I. Um, I thought some of the wranglings that I'm just talking about were going on um but uh, and and it was really important because uh one person was able to stand up and keep the um person running the meeting uh keeper on task and uh focused on the right things in some ways <laughs> um, because they were uh well and, and the, the other thing is is that they were not um A bunch of well, the liberal candidates that uh, were uh, basically they circumvented the uh, caucus system by gathering signatures, and um, the Madam Chairman was trying to hide who it was had gathered signatures and uh,
1: under the guise of being unbiased.
3: Yes, and uh, it it was great that one of one of the. lady stood up and said, "You know, presenting the facts as they exist is is not a matter of being biased. it's the facts.
1: It's a factual, yeah, it's a fact and our delegates not entitled to the facts and the information right. as much information about the candidates as they can get without undermining or trashing the candidates, just giving
0: the truth.
3: yes and she was she was trying what she could do to uh, not, disclose that even though it was public information and so to me I look at that as a you know she was doing political wranglings to try to protect people and here that's the chairman of the Republican Party who was running so the, the I have questions about well, what's really going on in the party if if we have we think it's biased to present the facts you know exactly but,
1: I, I personally I felt that it was biased not to present the facts
0: Absolutely. to not
1: to not state who gathered signatures and who wanted to circumvent our convention that they, they were there to do, that they were there at that time, and not honor the delegates and and literally circumvent that, to not disclose that, in my opinion, is very biased. So I felt that that was essential to let the delegates know.
3: well, if if we're running a a system that where we feel like it's okay, even, to hide the facts, um, there's a problem with that.
0: Uh, Absolutely.
3: It, uh, transparency is really the basis of freedom. And so uh, what I see is she was trying to undermine freedom, uh, you know, unfortunately.
0: Yes. Most that's unfortunately.
3: A, a lot of people don't understand how important transparency is. And that, that's actually one of the problems with the voting booths that we have that are computers that we, uh, we have a a part of that that software itself is not transparent. Nobody knows. It's a trade secret. And so how do we expect to maintain freedom if we have a trade secret counting the votes?
1: And that's not in convention, but yes, that is a big problem with our, our primary and general elections is you've got a third party counting the votes. You have a third party with, machines that are in charge of them and voting and so that really doesn't even put the elections in the hands of our election clerks or even in our counties or states so that we we've 3rd right. we've partied that out which is very problematic I yep. so agree with you very very much a problem okay so um, how did you feel about the outcomes at the county convention this is the Davis County Convention
3: well I um... I I actually, um, I had to go. I had driven with somebody else. <laughs> and so I'm not certain what the outcome actually was going to be. Okay. Yeah,
1: of course. So it was very interesting to me. I, overall, I'm fairly pleased. I'm very pleased on numerous races. I thought it was really interesting that we had... Really, we had more candidates and more people contesting incumbents than we have in years. Four years ago, we didn't have hardly anyone running against incumbents. Almost every incumbent, by far, most of the incumbents ran unopposed. And this time, there were only two incumbents that did not have anybody opposing them which is very sad that they didn't because even if you are absolutely love that incumbent and you know that they're wonderful and they're fantastic, I will tell you every incumbent is better when they have some opposition. Every incumbent does better, performs better, and answers to to their people and their constituents and honors the constitution better if they're held to it and if if they have some kind of opposition. It makes them more true to who they are. It makes them think more clearly about the issues and the positions. It makes them have to defend them. And so it serves everyone because everyone gets a better education. All of the delegates and all the other people that the delegates represent have a chance to really understand the issues better and get educated on them when there's some opposition. When we just get rubber stamped in, we don't have to talk about anything. We don't have to think. Nothing good happens. It is very important for everyone Ellen, to have some
3: opposition. I agree with you so much on that, and that's actually one of the interesting things to me about when I was talking about the, particularly the county delegation. They had been in there for a long time unopposed, and they were in the mode of protecting people. and They were in the mode of, you know, they had done some political wranglings to split a particular office to protect somebody because somebody was running against uh you know one of their buddies that they didn't want out and that sort of thing and um if nobody runs against them they don't they don't have any dog nipping at their heels they can do whatever they want to and they do that's that's just if you think about it what you would do unopposed uh, ultimately if you're honest with yourself you might do the same thing so
1: well it's human nature right that's- There must needs be be opposition in all things because it does make everyone better when there's some pushback and some opposition. Yeah, yeah. it absolutely is better for everyone. Okay, so yeah, it was interesting to me speaking of the convention that most of the people who were what I would call patriots or more more conservative that ran against the more less conservative or the more liberal legislators. And I use that blanketly, so I'm not targeting any specific person. But most of the incumbents are not particularly aligned with freedom or aligned with the platform. And what I saw, which was very interesting, is those who ran against them did very well. They, not only in the cheering and the claps and the, the, just the way the feedback that the audience gave to those who were running. Also, in the number of ballots, in the number of votes, with only two exceptions, those who were more aligned with Liberty and aligned with the platform, they did much better. Those aligned with Liberty did much better. And this is a really exciting and really amazing thing. And the only reason, in almost every case, the only reason there are primaries is because – the incumbents got signatures it was interesting none of the in the house races none of the people opposing the incumbents none of them got signatures the only reason there are there are primaries in most cases is because the incumbents got signatures and so it doesn't even matter how few votes they got from the delegates no matter how much they met with and faced people and that they didn't get, if they would have got zero votes, they would not have done well. So Gregory, thank you so much for being with us. Unfortunately, your time is up. And remember, you are the guardian of our liberty. Thank you so much.